This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome in to the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker and Will Heflin on a Tuesday night, a little under 24 hours since Tennessee punched its ticket to the College World Series. Apologize for the slight delay. You can blame Ben McKee. I was traveling, and this was literally the earliest I could record this podcast. So I greatly appreciate Wes and Will uh, being willing uh, to stay up this late and, and knock this bad boy out, but I know Will's super jacked up. He he's been he's been getting at me all day. When, when are we gonna chop it up? I know I know Will's got some things to say, and of course Wes always has some things to say. Uh, so Wes, Will, how are you all? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, I wish the little man was sleeping a little better, but other than that, I'm I'm good. I hope hopefully nobody hears him crying downstairs, which they might. I don't know. We'll see. I'm good as well. It's good to good to talk to you guys. It's I'm gonna try to formulate coherent sentences and words, kind of like that one time, uh, Ben. But nah, man, I'm I'm super pumped and hope we can uh, hope we can provide some good content to try to uh, make sense of what just happened and what's ahead for the balls because it certainly is exciting. It, it certainly is. Uh, and and boy, I am I excited for for Saturday night, Tennessee and LSU primetime uh, Saturday night in Omaha at the College World Series. That's that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, but before we get to all of that, and I don't even know how much we'll dive into that on this particular podcast, but uh, it, it's weird. You know, Tennessee punches its ticket to the College World Series. And I thought the game itself was somewhat ho-hum for the most part. It, it, it wasn't the exciting game that. Uh, game two was or or even game one was at times during the Hattiesburg Super Regional. Uh, I thought there were more big picture storylines to come out of that game three than uh, small storylines that actually took place in that particular game. But we'll we'll let you lead off. I mean, I, I thought the game was kind of boiled down to, to three people. Uh, it was Drew Beam and, and he was excellent from the start. Uh, and then Zane Denton had yet another clutch home run that people associated with the program will remember for a very, very long time. Uh, and then Chase Burns came in and I mean, boy, he, he was, he was as electric as wild thing out there on the mound. So I thought it kind of boiled down to those three guys. And and those three are, are the reasons, not the sole reasons, obviously baseball is a team sport, but the, the main reasons uh, Tennessee was able to punch its ticket to Omaha late Monday night. It, it, it crept into Tuesday morning, technically, but uh, for for just the sake of keeping it simple, we'll say Monday night. Yeah, we're technically recording on the same day that that they punched yeah. their ticket somehow. Um, but you're right; it it wasn't kind of the roller coaster game that 
maybe Vol fans have come to expect and that, you know, we just thought that you might see on a Super Regional Game 3 on a Monday night. Um, certainly the other one in Stanford and Texas was more that classic Super Regional game, but the Vols just kind of handled business. And you talked about the three guys um, who put their their big stamp on the game. I'm going to start with Drew Beam. Um, Uncle Charlie made the trip to uh, Hattiesburg. It was early and often. Southern Miss was actually able to kind of lay off of it later in the game, but they still couldn't hit his fastball. There was there was ride and carry and backspin, however you want to phrase it. He was right at their hand level the whole game, and it was competitive enough to get swings, but it was unhittable. And he was tunneling that perfectly with the curveball, man, and it was just an electric, electric performance. And you kind of saw it the bat for me and and Wes, you talked about this in the last podcast we did, you know, early. And so I was looking for it. That Dickerson at bat, the second hitter of the game, when the leadoff guy gets on, great fastball hitter. He blew his doors off with two heaters after getting a borderline strike one call on the curveball. Goes right at him with heaters, and you just saw it in his eyes, man. And, man, that that whole performance was just awesome to watch and I'm so happy for him that he was able to pull that off because he made it look way easier than that is. I mean, go ahead. Well, I, I'm going to cut you off and, and ask what you've seen different with his curveball. I, I know Wes tweeted. Yeah. This something, man, something the past two the weeks, game. something's Something. different. He, he, and I don't blame him for, for maybe talking about it publicly, kind of the in-depth details of, of what's different. Um, but it seems like he was more of a slider guy, changeup guy last year, if I remember correctly. And and then this year it's kind of been more the cutter early on to go with the fastball. And, and now second half of the season and, and not even the second half of the season, it feels like the postseason, it's been curveball, curveball, curveball. I mean, this is a different pitcher uh, than Drew Beam. And when he's been asked publicly, I think Wes asked him and, and Clemson what's different about his curveball or what adjustments has he made. And he didn't really – dive into it have you seen anything and and i know it's hard for you to maybe see on television or, or or whatnot but have you seen anything different that he's done to to bring out a curveball i mean it looked like adam wainwright out there that's how filthy that curveball was that's actually a really good comparison because he has a more over the top um arm slot it's it actually plays better off of his fastball because it's coming from that same over the top motion and it's big it's got a lot of of a vertical movement and it slurves some it's got some horizontal movement but when it's good it's sharp down um and it's it's really hard for that much movement 81 miles an hour it was you know it was that 80 to 81 mile an hour range most of the night that's hard for a curveball and you know my arm slot was lower so later in my career i got better because i was more slider heavy rather than curveball and I think he's just doing the opposite because he throws more over the top. Um, but, you know, I'll never say he's not a power pitcher again because I'm sorry. That fastball played like 107 and the curveball was power, power, power curveball. Um, the stuff was there, but his mentality was even better, man. I, you know, that he was – Big game, Drew. Whatever nickname or cliche you want to want to use, he was absolutely electric, and I can't even find the words to say how big that performance was. Yeah, to me, it felt like it was one of those times where you see this sometimes 
I think with late night games, after it's been raining a little bit, it's just the the air is heavy and the ball is not carrying. And, and I think maybe, you know, Dickey later in the game hit one that I think may have left the yard during a day game. There were a couple others, I think one that Southern Miss hit that, that on another day, I think those could have left the yard. But it, it kind of felt like one of those Dodger Stadium at night kind of deals where you just – uh, you know, how Denton got that ball out, I, I mean, he had to have just hit that absolute piss out of it because that that thing, that night nothing was carrying, it felt like. It just felt like one of those games. And I think sometimes that moisture in the air a little bit can help the pitchers too. Will could probably speak to that. You can just grip the ball. You know, you, if you if you grip it right, you can you can really spin it sometimes. But something, something happened the past couple weeks. I, I don't know what it is. I had a bunch of uh, Vandy and Arkansas fans yelling "spider tack" on Twitter, which I laughed at. But but something. I mean, he it, it, it's either just committing to the pitch, making an adjustment on it, or just having full conviction in it. It's something because that thing. I mean, I'm I'm really glad you mentioned Wayno because it looked a little like that. I mean, it, it's that thing. The I'd really love to see the PFX numbers and TrackMan numbers on that because because the horizontal drop on that just the vertical drop was just it was nuts. It, it was even sharper at points than it was at Clemson, and it was phenomenal there. Uh, I mean, it, it was this is a different dude now. It really is. This is a different dude for all those people wondering like. You know, is he definitely going to be like a Friday night type guy? Yes. Yes, he is. Look at that stuff. It's not just, I mean, the mentality is great. He's always had that mentality, but now it's the stuff too, man. I mean, he's, this kid's blossoming. This is big time stuff. And uh, to have it in a night like that and a moment like that, that's big. And, you know, Burns, everyone knows that he had the rough day at the office against Notre Dame last year. For, for him to come back and do that, you know how much that meant to him, especially with what kind of frustrating year it's been for him at times. Um, you, you know, just the fact that this team went on the road and did what it did. Um, it was a month ago this team couldn't beat anybody on the road, and and now it's gone and, and eliminated two good teams from their parks two weeks in a row. Uh, it's just something has changed. Something has changed. Uh, it, it's better, better now than never, right? I mean, <laughs> this team is – I don't know if this is its best baseball, but it's got to be close. I mean, things are things are looking good, and Zane Denton's become a really clutch hitter. Uh, you've got some more depth, even more depth now. I mean, Combs coming in and doing what he did, that's not anything to sneeze at. He went in there in a big situation and just completely blew the doors off of the leadoff hitter there. I think it was, was three- or four-pitch strikeout, just boom, boom, boom. Um, there were some big, big moments in that game, and, and the three big guys that, that you mentioned are the guys, but, you know, Merritt with the RBI single, Combs with that strikeout, there were some other big moments in that game. Yeah. I'm, glad you brought, I'm glad you brought up Combsy because that was a huge strikeout, and it got the ball to Burns to face Dickerson. I mean, it's kind of one of those moments where you're like, I, I'm not quite sure this is what I would have done, yeah. but obviously V knows something that we didn't push the right buttons and it worked out for him. So, you know, I think it, it kind of gets lost because of the one Oh two and burns coming off the field. And, you know, that was absolutely electric, but Combsy right there was huge. And that's something to put in your pocket and keep from Haw as well. Go ahead, Ben. Well, and I was going to touch on exactly what you just touched on. I mean, Aaron Combs, I, I was texting Will and was like, I, I don't know about this. First off, I, I would have gone straight to Chase Burns uh, to to start that seventh inning. I, I would not have let Drew Bean go back out there. Not that I thought that it was some horrendous decision or anything, but I, I would just prefer to give Chase Burns a clean inning to work with 
Uh, so not only did uh, he not go with Burns, he let Bean go back out there and Southern Miss had the back-to-back singles. Then I was like, okay, you've got to go to Camden Sewell or Chase Burns. And he brings in Aaron Combs. And the reason I believe that they brought him in is because he has that filthy curveball as well. And it is a strikeout pitch and, and you need a strikeout in that moment. And then Burns just comes in and, and blows Dickerson away. I mean, just pumping premium gas right down the middle. I mean, not even doing anything special with it. I mean, just here it is, do what you can with it. And Dickerson could not do anything. And I look, I, I wonder, you know, Southern Miss, it's a good lineup, but they don't see that as often as Tennessee sees it in, in the SEC. And it's hard not to think that that played a role in that moment because Dickerson's capable of of catching up to it. But it's much more difficult when you don't see it as frequently as SEC teams are seeing it. Uh, so I, I had that thought in my mind. But uh, you, you all hit the nail on the head with what Burns and uh, Denton and Beam were able to do. Uh, but kind of speaking to the bigger picture things that I, I teased early in this podcast – I thought it was really cool how both Drew Beam and Chase Burns had their redemption moment for two different reasons. Yeah. Beam left out of the Super Regional last year, uh, didn't get the pitch. And I thought Tony Vitello's comments after the game were really cool, uh, how he was kicking himself, kind of walking away from that Notre Dame series for not using Drew Beam. Uh, and, and he said, talking to the coaching staff all day Monday, he was good with whatever was going to happen because this time around Drew Beam was going to get a chance to to do what he can do. Uh, and, and he was confident in that. So if it resulted in a loss, then, then so be it. But he was confident in QB one, as they call him going out there on the mound in a big time game. Uh, and I thought that was really cool because Tony, Tony hasn't ever really peeled back that layer of the curtain since last year, kind of the pain of losing that Notre Dame series. He's always kind of deflected and just immediately talked about how awkward it was that they were hosting a transfer and they saw Notre Dame at Market Square the next day with the transfer. That's kind of all he's ever talked about. So for him to kind of sit there and peel back that layer of the onion that it it bothered him last year that he did not use Drew Beam and Fast forward to this year, he was very confident in whatever happens because of Drew Beam. I thought it was cool for Beam to back that up with his most impressive performance of his career, which is saying something because he's had some big time performances against big time programs in two years. Uh, So that was a cool redemption story. And then Chase Burns, Wes touched on it. I mean, he got hit around in that Notre Dame series in in that game three. And, And Lindsey Nelson, I thought, played a role. You had a that, guy that, had, that home run was fluky. It was fluky. Yes, it, it was. The guy had barely what two or three on the year, if if that. And that was like a I three hundred fifteen foot home run or something. Yeah. Three twenty. It, it, it was it, it was a Lindsey Nelson special. It was a Lindsey Nelson special, absolutely. So for me, I, I thought it was cool, and, and even encompassing the team perspective. Will uh, a year from the day of that heartbreaking loss to Notre Dame seeing Notre Dame dogpile on your home field when you're the number one seed in the tournament, you, you've swept the SEC, you're supposed to go win the national championship, and Notre Dame shocks you, upsets you, breaks your heart, dogpiles on your home field. Literally a year from the day, they kind of go up against all odds. And although they probably should have been playing in Knoxville, they go on the road and battle all the adversity that this weekend presented them with and they punched Southern Miss square in the mouth. So you had the individual 
redemption stories, Burns and Beam, but then also the team redemption story. Uh, and last year's team, it was smooth. Your team in 2021, it was smooth, Will, all the way up until the end of it. This year has been everything but smooth. Th this team at 5-10 and 10 in SEC play, losing to Tennessee Tech, probably should not have been at this point, and here they are. So that, to me, was the coolest storyline from last night. Sure, punching ticket to Omaha, that's awesome and everything, but the way they did it was the most impressive and the coolest aspect, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can't write better movie scripts than you get organically in sports. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head just with the way they did it. Um, you know, not only for the guys who are on the team this year, like Simo and, and Doe and Beam and Burke and C. Scott and all the guys who had to watch that from the dugout last year, not from not from the TV. And then the way that it played out this year for them to to get the opportunity to punch the ticket and they go do it in such emphatic fashion. I mean, they controlled that game. Southern Miss had one sort of jab where they were trying to, to, to get back into the game. And we bring in a guy who pumps 101, 102 right by him and gets off the field with arms flailing everywhere and his eyes are wide open. And he just, it's all emotion let out straight to our team. He comes into the dugout and everybody's just super, super pumped. And it's, it's almost just like, man, you can't write it any better than this. And it's not done. It's no. It's nowhere close to done. You know, I think one of the one of the stepping stones of building a program is like, okay, you you got there before, you were on the verge last year, now you got there again. So how do you how do you build upon that? And I don't think from the time V has been on campus, he's not really interested in timetables or hey you make a regional and then you make supers and like he he wants to win the whole dang thing that's the expectation um and this team certainly has the talent to do it but you know staying focused on on this game it just felt so weird but that it that it would come together you know these last these last like six weeks you almost had this feeling that it would be here but you weren't quite sure because they were so frustrating and up and down and, and hard to read even the best baseball minds in the world were just like I really don't know what to think of this team um but here they are and you know hats off to to him for tweaking the dials at, at certain points and making making decisions at certain points along the way and then just this team to come together the way they have um to ultimately find themselves in a game three on the road in Hattiesburg and to win it in shutout fashion with a big swing, um, you know, in the, in the, what was that? The seventh day Zane hit that or the fifth to get that big swing in the fifth. You kind of felt like it, there was maybe too much to handle at that point. No one burns was looming in the bullpen and the way beam was throwing it at that point. Yeah. I, I think it, for me, it co goes back to, I, I really want to remember what exact day it was, but there was a day this season where, it just maybe wasn't a great day, uh, and, and after the game, Vitello said something about, you know, like sometimes it's just last year, we it's not supposed to be as easy as it was last year, 
and and it's not. And, and and then what happens is in his mind at least he was telling himself that you know maybe that team last year maybe the only problem was there was no problem and then Notre Dame threw the punch there kind of sucker punched him a little bit and they were stunned by it and didn't really know how to react and there were other things going on obviously but it was just uh, things things adversity really kind of came at him and they couldn't handle it you know or they just didn't handle it well and then he 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 talked about that year two years ago where that Virginia team that Tennessee you know opened with in the World Series that team had been through you know kind of a meh kind of year and it, it was frustrating and the fans were like is this team any good and then it gets hot late and then it, it you know it ends up beating Tennessee and Omaha and then you know you go back to the past two national champions he mentioned them how they kind of emerge late in the year and how sometimes maybe the only good thing about kind of getting your head knocked in a little bit during the season is that it prepares you for something like it, it, it lets you know the reality of what happens when you don't play well, or, or it, it tests kind of tests your metal, tests your strength, your inner strength. And they were able to go do something about that um, because they were able to, to overcome it. So I, I don't know if, if those two things are firmly connected, but, but to me, it feels a little bit like, Maybe Vitello had a point there. Maybe sometimes when things aren't going well, that um, if you can fight through it, you come through it better on the other side. And, and I don't know if that's the deal, or I don't know if it's just that there were just things about this team that they didn't figure out yet. Like, this guy needs to be at this spot in the lineup. These guys need to be pitching in this order for the weekend. I'm sure there's a million things that have to something to do with it. But I also think sometimes if you just get through things when they suck, they can get better. And, and I think you saw Clemson down to the last strike on five separate pitches in the ninth inning. Five separate pitches in the ninth inning. Tennessee was down to its last strike. And, and the fifth one was the one Denton hit out of the park. Coming back from the bases loaded, uh, no outs debacle in the 10th inning in that game. Then Southern Miss, you're down 4 nothing in a game where you have to win it to, to survive. And they got an All-American on the mound. A really, really good pitcher. You know, like a little, like a college version of Tim Hudson out there on the mound. What are you going to do about it? And all that stuff, they came through it. And when you put all of it together in your mind, you're like, dude, this is pretty incredible what they've, what they've kind of done the past couple of weeks, I think. I think it's Tony Vitello's most impressive coaching job, Wes. Uh, it, it's six short seasons, but all the daring moves and shifting of roles and the way, I think more importantly, the way he brought the leadership to a point that it needed to be in a very quick manner. I mean, it was a couple of weeks ago, I was discussing how the leadership wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, and I questioned how this team handles adversity, the way Tony got these guys to handle adversity better and, and got the leadership to where it needed to be. And then also, like I said, even the, the in-game adjustments and uh, adjusting of roles. I mean, I think this is his best coaching job yet. And it's not just all his – He's not the only one that gets credit. I mean, Josh Elander, Frank Anderson, the assistants, the the volunteers, the Ricky Martinez's, uh, the Richard Jacksons, the Redmond Walshes, the Luke Bonfelds. I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, they, they all deserve a ton of credit. As a collective, this is their best coaching job yet at Tennessee, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, Vitell is also the guy who gets the blame if things go wrong. So when things do go right, I mean, I think it's only fair that you know, the one who gets the most criticism when things don't go go well is probably going to get more of the praise when they do go well. That that's that's just human nature, right? I mean, the buck stops at the top, right? 
Yeah, and the only one you left out there, Ben, was uh, Q, the strength coach, yes. Coach Everhart, um, Ooh, which is a good point because ben. I know you didn't mean to, but that's my guy. Um, Beam gave him a lot of credit last night. He he said one of the differences late in the season is last year. Well, he actually, I tipped my. He was out of gas last year. He just was. He was, and he admitted that last night. He he was talking and asking about how his role was diminished in the postseason and, and how that stung Will. And he said, like, hey, I, I didn't know how to take care of my body. I, I was burned out, didn't know how to take care of my body. That was a big emphasis over the offseason. And he said Q got me right and and showed me how to take care of my body the way that it needs to. And and look, last season he, he played his best baseball at the beginning. This year he's playing his best baseball when it matters most. Absolutely. And I don't care how much adrenaline or whatever drug you want to take into your body at this point in the year, if your body is broken down, there's no way that Chase Burns comes in and throws 102 right there after, you know, his longest outing in a while the week prior. And, you know, Dolly is holding up and and improving as the season uh, gets deeper. So I think, you know, that's a, it's a very and Coach V is one of the first, you know, to toot that horn and praise uh, Coach Q. But that's just an extremely valuable part of the program to have guys that are building throughout the season rather than being at their best early and then, you know, falling off late. I was a little bit concerned though when I the only thing that that, that concerned me about that one hundred two that burns through. Was that, and as actually Todd Walker made made a similar point during the broadcast when he was like, "There's a reason why closers usually only throw one inning because it's super intense. You're maxing out on every throw, and while at the same time, yes, Burns obviously has the ability to be a starter and the endurance of one, but when he's starting games, uh, he's not throwing 102 like in the first or second inning, bro. He just ain't like. And I was thinking like. He's still got to get six more outs. Like they got a cushion, they'll probably be all right. But you saw later in the game. I mean, he was I mean, down to like what ninety seven or so. I mean, you know, my God, right down. He's pumpy. He's just he's just out of gas right there at ninety seven. Poor guy. But you know, it, it's I, I did wonder about that. Like, bro, you gotta you need to cool off a little bit. You got six more outs. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. And when he was talking about that, it was actually – there was like a 95 and 96 in there, which for him, uh, you know, coming off of what you just saw, that was down, and it was also out of the zone. Um, you know, it was in the ninth, let the let the first guy on be a walk. But then um, it seemed like he kind of was like, okay, let's take care of business. And the next three were like 98, and he was like, yeah. yeah. Never mind. He was good. I was like, okay, we're good. He was good. He was good. And, and he got he got a favor too on that the three one the guy that put the ball in play in that situation. I'm like, if I'm his coach, I'm like, dude, you you have got. I don't care, man. He could he could throw it right down the middle. You need five runs, man. It's three one. Why are you swinging at this pitch? If you swing that pitch, you better get it in play for a hit, or uh, you're gonna have a talking to afterward. That's just. That the Heat Tennessee got a gift there. I don't think it mattered because they had a five run lead, but that helped. Well, and the the crazy part and the last two things that I want to touch on uh, from that particular game before we hit a break is you didn't use Camden Sewell, and like that was the pitcher perfect moment to use Camden Sewell. You know, Tony wanted to go to Camden Sewell so bad yeah. with that lead late in the game, let your fifth-year senior send you to Omaha. But 
I tweeted it. Like, I, I don't know how, like, I agree. Like, I want to go to Camden Sewell too, but why would you ever go away from Chase Burns when Chase Burns is is showing you uh, what what he is showing you? And I liked your your tweet, Wes. Like, if, if Tony tried to take the ball from Chase, Burns was probably going to punch him in the face or to punch him in the throat, something along those lines, which uh, you love to see. But I, I want to talk a little more about Zane Denton because I, I think he kind of fits the, the same mold of that redemption story in, in a different manner. It it hasn't been the season that he expected uh, from start to finish. I mean, it, it was – I mean, he was never, like, hardcore struggling or, or playing poorly, per se, but he's definitely picked it up the second half of the season. And I think, Will, it's because he's gotten more comfortable within the program. And he had a really, really tough fall. He had a former teammate at Alabama – uh, commit suicide. Yeah. He had a family member, I believe, pass away. He had mono. I think he had an after mono. I think he got sick again. I, I remember talking to the coaches back in the fall and they were like, he just can't, he can't practice because it's one thing after the next and it's not his fault. It. I, I remember Tony saying publicly, like it, it's, it's been a, a fall that no young person should ever experience in their life. Uh, and, and I think that carried over into the regular season and, and just was never completely comfortable within the program because of how the year, the academic year started. And he has been more comfortable And you know, Swain texted me and asked me who I thought the MVP of the weekend was. And I, I didn't really have a, a great answer. Uh, I, I think you could point out Burns. I think you could point out Beam, Denton. Uh, but I think I lean on Denton just because of, the new vibe that he's kind of bringing to the team from from a leadership standpoint. I mean, I think what was just as big as the the three run homer that he hit last night, and it may sound crazy, but we talked about it on the podcast the other night after they won game two. Him telling Chase Dolander, "I got you," him making that diving play and saying, "I got you," that calmed Chase Dolander down even before Tennessee had its big beginning to respond. So I, I think it's not necessarily a redemption story like Beam or Burns. But just kind of how how the the, the season or, or the tides have turned for him in such a positive man, manner after such a rough start, I think has been really really cool to see. And he's as responsible as anybody when you look at these last two weekends for Tennessee getting to Omaha. Yeah, it's it's just you you can't even really try to understand what he's gone through um, in that manner. And yeah, he did start slow. So it's kind of been a, a buildup, um, and he he seemingly got better as the season went on. Had a, had a couple couple hot streaks, and then he cooled back off a little bit. Now it's kind of been like consistent production um, for the past several weeks. And I know it's been on the road, and they weren't walk offs, but like I think it's time to start putting him probably below like right below drew gilbert in terms of like biggest swings in the past decade at the university of tennessee i mean the one at clemson would have been a walk-off had it been at home um and he doesn't have the same persona and and personality that drew gilbert does so it will never get the the same reaction and you know he also doesn't have his crowd when he when he hit those um but also the one last night, like I was not comfortable before that swing. One nothing, I wasn't comfortable. I don't know how you guys felt, but I we just we kind of left a couple runners on base, um, and they 
they didn't never really had a clean inning. Like they would, they always seem to get like one on base and then beam would, would cruise through the rest. And I was like, they're going to throw a punch at some point. Um, so f- at the time that swing was a, was a haymaker and it wasn't in the ninth, but it may as well have been, you know, looking back on it now. So he's all of all, I know he's a transfer and, and came from enemy lines, but he is all of all in my book. And, you know, to be the kind of dude that he is and to go through that, it just makes you feel that much happier for him. And I just don't see how that doesn't continue. I mean, there's not, it's a short list of guys you'd rather have up at the plate in crunch time situations. Um, you know, I know we talked about Jared Dickey and, and he's definitely on the short list at any moment to have at the plate. Um, but Zane Denton in clutch time, it, it kind of seems like it, it's been him lately. Yeah, and this is the same Zane Didden who you know, and, and he and his brother still. I mean, they it's right there in their social media accounts about the you know the R.I.P. dad and when they lost their dad. I mean, those guys. You know, it's a reminder thinking about Denton's fall that like, and, and there's no way to not sound preachy when saying this, and I don't I don't want to sound preachy. That's not me, but like it's always good to be reminded that like you don't know what other people are carrying. Like you don't know. There's there's no. And I think being in the business long enough now has has sort of taught me this in some ways is that this is a performance-based athletics industry. It is. And uh, if you play well, uh, you get people patting you on the back. And if you don't, there's criticism. That's the territory. It is what it is. It's a performance-based industry. But you don't always know what people are carrying and what they're going through physically, emotionally, psychologically, just anything. You just don't know. And and, and so – after kind of a fall from hell, I mean, in a new place, it was going to take him some time to kind of get get his bearings a little bit, you know. And, and dude, you were the man at Alabama, but you're, you're stepping across. You're coming up to, you know, a, a, a better team, a better program, and you're going through all that stuff. And, I mean, it's an adjustment. It just is. Uh, and it's it's funny because you talk about his adjustment to the to the team. I also think it's the team's adjustment to him in some ways. Like I remember, it was John Wilkerson telling the story of when he hit that you know three run homer there in uh, in Clemson. How you know he's a bit of a different dude than a lot of the other guys on the team. So like when 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 he hits that home run, like everybody's going berserk, right? Like even the most like Bible toting guys on the team, you're hearing f words left and right. It's just it's a big moment, right? It's like a it's like a just a gargantuan moment in the game where everybody just says whatever they're going to say, and all Denton could say was like let's go. And it's all he could say. Like, he's just not a dude who talks a lot. He just doesn't. He's just kind of a quiet dude. He goes about his business. I don't know what his two brothers are like. Usually if you got two brothers, there's usually one crazy one and then kind of one quiet one. And then, you know what I mean? Like he maybe, maybe just the quiet one, but he, he just, he just kind of goes about his business and he's gotten to this point now. And he's got a decision to make after this season because you know, I, I don't know because of the arm in the def- defense. I don't know what kind of prospect he is, but I know that if he comes back to Tennessee, he's got a pretty sweet NIL deal. I'm pretty sure if he does that now. So he's a guy who maybe this won't be his only season at Tennessee. Let, let's see. Who knows? But uh, if even if this is his only season, I mean, talk about putting a stamp on your one season. Him and Griffin merit both. I mean, if that's the case, you know, you talked about the MVPs. I'll say this quickly. I think he wasn't the MVP of the weekend, but a guy who did a hell of a lot in that series was Griffin Merritt. He went four for five in the second game. He did get the first RBI, and the first RBI 
in a clutch game in, 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 in a in a kind of a scoreless big game like that, that's a huge deal. That that takes off a little bit of pressure, and uh, he did all that by just kind of changing his game a little bit and hitting the ball where it was pitched and just not not doing hero ball stuff, just just hitting it hitting it where they weren't doing doing a good job and. Um, you know, I think it just, you saw his emotion after the game too. Uh, and he did that interview. I think it was with Sam Rothman, maybe from WATE when he was kind of emotional talking about his girlfriend back home in Cincinnati. And he'd always been in Cincinnati. He was a Cincinnati kid and it was hard for him to leave home and it was a huge transition. Um, but he's really glad that he did it and, and he's never doubted it. And I think that kind of ties into the whole thing with Denton. Like, you know, sometimes in life you, you just end up going where you're meant to be. And it, it may not be on the time you think it's going to be, but these guys have found their way to Tennessee and written their own story pretty quickly in, in their Tennessee careers. And they're going to be remembered as big-time players in the Tennessee program now. And and they've earned it, frankly, I think. And that ball didn't hit was absolutely crushed. I mean, to, to hit that out as far as he did last night after all that rain and how thick the air was, I believe it was 106 off the bat and 411. 415, it, it I think, was, but close. Yeah, it was it was big. It was a bomb. It, it was a bomb. Very impressive. I did not think that we were going to see that type of bomb uh, last night because of, of the weather. So that was very, very impressive. Tennessee is on its way to Omaha, and we have a couple of things to discuss on that side of the coin, and we'll do that here after a break on the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast with GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by the great Wes Rucker and former Tennessee pitcher Will Heflin, who is also great, I might add. Talking Tennessee baseball, because Tennessee is on its way to the College World Series for the sixth time in program history, the second in the last three years, and obviously that second time is under Tony Vitello for the second time in six seasons on Rocky Top. And uh, before we continue our conversation, would like to encourage you to go like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Will, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I've heard Tony talk publicly a couple of times since you all fell short in Omaha and said that, and you can obviously, this is why I'm asking, give your perspective and your opinion of, of Tony's thoughts. But Tony has had the thought that that 2021 team, your team that made it to Omaha, wasn't necessarily yourself 
uh, you, you all didn't play like yourselves uh, in Omaha. Kind of, I don't, I don't know if it was. And Tony said this: if if y'all were tense or nervous or or if the scene was too big, but uh, you, you guys just kind of weren't yourselves. So, uh, kind of a a, a two prong question: your thoughts on those comments, and also what does this team need to do to not get outside of themselves, given the scope of the environment? Because look, you you all played in a terrific environment against Virginia and Texas. It's the College World Series. Every game is going to be a great environment. But it's not what Saturday night is going to be. Tennessee and LSU in prime time under the lights on ESPN, it's going to be pretty raucous. So uh, kind of what, what your opinion is that the guys need to do to make sure they stay within themselves? Yeah, well, I'll touch on on our team really quickly. And, you know, I was slated to throw that game three and and we didn't quite make it. So I didn't I didn't get out there and, and experience what it would have felt like from the mound. Um, from the dugout, it did feel a little tense. I think that's fair. Um, and that team had such a loose and fun personality the whole year that it, it was different. Um and it's really hard to argue that when, when you saw the way we played. Um, now, the Virginia kid that we faced is shoving now, like you touched on in a previous podcast. Andrew Abbott was no joke. Um, you know, Paul Skeens is the best pitching prospect in, in quite some time, but, uh, you know, that guy's already in the big leagues. So he was no slouch of a pitcher in Texas, had a slew of, of power arms that they threw at us on, on game two. Um, and we also didn't play in prime time. That stadium on Saturday night is going to be jam packed. It's going to be full. LSU travels, Tennessee is going to travel. And then just the, the general fan base that is there for Omaha, maybe not directly tied to a team. Maybe they're, they're from the area or they just come in. Um, those night games are always the, the way better attendance numbers. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be really challenging in terms of emotions and, and getting settled into that environment. But, but I know the team itself, most of these guys weren't on that 21 team, but they're a part of the program that was. And when your expectation is to go to Omaha and when your expectation is that you'll probably be there, you have so much more comfort and just, innate confidence from being a part of that. Like all the guys that came in the year after we went just thought it was normal to go to Omaha. They were just like, yeah, well, when we go this, this, and this, like, it's like, bro, we ain't been to Omaha since 2005. And you guys are just sitting here acting like this is an every year thing. Well, you, now it, it kind of is, you know, you can't expect to go every year, but we can expect to go a lot. Um, so I think that actually helps because they're they're going to Omaha like, yeah, this is where we should be. Our team was like, holy smokes, we just punched our ticket to Omaha. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like you can be successful the first time you've done something, but it never hurts to have done something before and and to get, you know, draw from that experience, both from the coaching staff and the players. You know, I think if – if V and Frank and Elander all got to 
got to redo maybe one decision in Omaha, then they probably would, as would most of the players on, you know, a, a pitch or a swing they made or, you know, it's once you get there, anything can happen and that can work for or against you. And clearly it was against us when we went. Um, but I, I think they can kind of do what they did in the supers and draw from that experience and use it as extra determination to, to go further this time around. To me, that that team from the outside looking in, obviously someone who was not in the dugout, it felt like like that old the the story about kind of like the dog catching the car, like the dog's chasing the car, the dog's chasing the car, it's going nuts, and then the dog catches the car, and then it's like, wait, what now? And and and, and it, I mean, it it, it kind of felt like. You know, if those guys had just like, no, you're still chasing a car. Like, don't worry about it. Just keep, just keep going. Like, you know, you didn't get to the car yet. Um, but you know, it, it was just, it was a, it was a disappointing way, obviously, for such a kind of a special collection of players who, who kind of rebuilt the thing, kind of back from the ashes. Um, but, but still, getting to Omaha isn't it? It's a tremendous accomplishment in and of itself. Like. Tennessee maybe will get to a point where it's like, oh man, just got there again and didn't win. Like, let's not let's not go there yet. Like, like it's college baseball is one of those weird sports where it's like it's not like there's two national championships, but like getting to Omaha in and of itself in a sport that has as much parity as any Division One college sport does. Uh, with 11.7 scholarships and maybe NIL changes some of that stuff. But, like, you know, there's a bunch of, like, small private schools that are really good and only baseball. Like, you can go wear one in a midweek game. Like, it, it, it's just to be one of the eight teams left standing is a hell of an accomplishment. Um, but maybe, like Will said, you you know, you start getting there more and more as a program, you start expecting to to win the thing, right? Like, most programs, maybe except Arkansas, when they keep getting there, they eventually win one of them, right? Like, like Arkansas's not done it yet, but like most people who consistently kind of get there will, will get one. And um, I, I think maybe these guys, maybe the way that they're playing at the right moment, if they just don't change anything that they're doing right now, they'll be okay. Um, and I know they're facing a superhuman who's maybe the best college pitching prospect, certainly since um, – you know, since what Strasburg probably, I mean, just in terms of like the pure dominance. I mean, I know that Tennessee's got some dudes, Dolander's one of them who were just unbelievable pitching prospects. Um, but, but once every decade or so, you kind of see an alien and this is that alien and this unicorn and it, it, it but it kind of is the story of this team that, 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 and I wrote about this the other day that like, that this is what they're going to get. Like they had to go to Clemson, which, Okay, they probably shouldn't host it the first weekend, but going to Clemson that was a that was, that was a tougher draw than most people a lot of people expected. Um, not maybe not a slap in the face, but just a little bit surprising is a nice way to put that. And then having to go on the road again last week and, and play against a really determined team that's a really good team uh, that's got a kind of a fairy tale of its own there with its coach retiring and all these other things, and and to get come back from basically the brink of elimination and. You know, that that's just, of course, of course this team's going to have to be the one to face Skeens. I assume they're throwing him. I mean, I did like two or three radio shows in Louisiana today. I think that the consensus down there is that it's going to be Skeens. So let's just assume that it is. And that's just the story of what this team is going through. It's like, okay, make it as hard as possible. Throw the alien out there. What the hell? Let's see. Let's see how it goes. That's just kind of the mentality. So 
in one way, it's like, okay, let's agree. Objectively, it kind of sucks that, you know, you, you, you got to be the one that goes out there and faces Skeens in the first game. But hell, why not? I mean, on the other hand, dude, go out there. Go out there and put some good swings on the ball. Put some pressure on them. See what happens. Wes, speaking of Arkansas, uh, what, what do you think the uh, media members who wanted to to scoff at us and, and, and mock – us do do you think they have any plans uh for this weekend and, and next week my, my my quote on that all day has been uh to uh to err is human to forgive is wes that's uh that's that's been my my mentality on that today it's uh you know when tennessee went there and got swept and some of us said well, arkansas is a pretty good team there's no doubt about it but uh tennessee got swept because tennessee didn't play very well that that's not as much about this might be more about tennessee than it is about arkansas right now Boy, that didn't go over well in the Ozarks. Uh, they they do not like pretty much anybody who lives in this state. They really don't like me for whatever reason. And so, yeah, they they were they were coming at us pretty good there. Uh, but uh, at maybe the end, the, maybe there was something to the whole Tennessee was shooting itself in the foot yeah. those first two games uh, in, in Fayetteville. So may, maybe they're the uh, Dustin Dickerson saying you suck, and we're the uh, the Chase Dolander going. What the hell, man? And pointing at the scoreboard, like, pointing, pointing, dude, pointing like at these tickets to Omaha. Maybe, maybe we're the professional ones who were right, you fools. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Just a consideration. Maybe, uh, maybe instead of uh, getting upset at a at a Tennessee team that you don't think is very humble, maybe humble yourself. I don't know. There's a thought. Maybe humble yourself. And um, if you're in that program, I'm just gonna say this once: win a national title and then start running your damn mouth. Win one, win one. Eight teams in the SEC have won one. Tennessee hasn't. You know who else hasn't? Arkansas. Not done it yet. So uh, just shut up, go win a title, and then come back and talk, and that's fine. All right. Let, let's let's it's the tr- No, 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 let's no, 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 no. We in. earned this, Ben. We earned this. Let, we let's, earned let's it. We earned in. it. You know, you know, there's some some Arkansas fans who listen to this for the totally wrong reasons. Yep. But let me let me say this just about our pool in general. If it's not Skeens, Rhett Louder is 15 and 0. If you had to face Wake, Stanford's guy throwing 156 pitches in an outing. What's his name? He's the lefty. I don't know. Yeah, he, I, I can't he, think of his he, name. He I watched have, it. He doesn't he's, have a UCL. Just, I don't know who his name is, but he he's have a disgusting. Um, you know, he last thing we need is to see a a, a dominant lefty. Um, you know, for all those narratives to start rolling in again, are we ever going to be able to hit them? Um, so yeah, it's it's pick Quinn your Matthews. poison. Yes, Quinn Matthews. Thank you, thank you. It's pick your poison when you get to this point, and obviously, Skeens is the the highest uh, prospect in Omaha on the pitching side, he's actually probably going to be the number two pick to his uh, teammate, Dylan Cruz. We'll see that has nothing to do with this. Um, But, you know, Andrew Lindsay's nothing to scoff at either. And (laughs) that's, that's four day one starters. That is just, it's such, it's high, high, high level baseball. And regardless of what team you're watching, I watch them all, um, as I'm sure you guys, you know, at least catch pieces of them all. It's just the best time of year, man. This baseball is so good. Like the amount of skill and talent in the game right now at the collegiate level is unbelievable. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so fun to watch. And so I'm with I'm with you guys. Why not Skeens? Why not? Let's face him. What do we got to lose? It's Omaha. Heck, we'll probably beat him. You know, we lose we lose to who we're not. But we we can't hit Billy Oldham. Okay, we're gonna rake Paul Skeens. It 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 makes sense. What's that Ben likes to say? It makes sense because it doesn't make sense. Yes, there that, you go. That is the the, the Ben McKee line. It, it'll happen because it's not supposed to happen. It, it doesn't make sense, so it'll happen. So I I, I do want to save kind of our, our preview of the weekend for Friday, uh, and, and talk more about the Tennessee LSU matchup more in depth and. Uh, a potential matchup with Stanford or Wake Forest, because that that is who is also matched up with Tennessee LSU. So the last thing I've got for you all on the way out the door isn't baseball specific. It, it's about the success that Tennessee has had as a whole, as a university, uh, the last 12 months, or really this academic year, I should say. I mean, it, it's it's truly unprecedented what the football team, both basketball teams, football, softball, and, and there's other peripheral sports as well that have had success in uh, being around it every day. Wes and I obviously do it for a job, and, and Will, you do it. You're around it, live it, breathe it as well. Like, I, I think if there's any fan base that isn't going to take I, – I know Vol Twitter can can get riled up and the message boards can get riled up, but just generally speaking, I, I think given the, the decade that kind of preceded the last year or two, I, I think Tennessee fans are sure, certainly appreciative – for, for the success that all their teams are bringing them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, you know, the, some of us for, for years just kind of kept saying like, if you, if you just do the job, right. Like if you just do the job, right. You're, you're going to be okay. This is still a place where you can win. And that was, you know, that was even before Nashville, because, you know, was the fastest growing city in the country. And what, like a, 80, 90 people per day are moving into that city, that metro area. So it's not going anywhere. Uh, I mean, there's going to be more and more talent. And yeah, this is a place where if you conduct yourselves the way that you should, not that it's the SEC, right? And Texas and Oklahoma are coming in too. Like it, it, it's never going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And sometimes no matter what, you're going to wear one. That's just how it goes in this league, but in, in all sports. But if you just, Tennessee, almost for a while there, forgot itself that it was Tennessee. Like it forgot that it was a place where you could do special things. Like, and I don't know how that happened. I don't know if it's just kind of a thing that gradually happened over time, but it got to become a place where it's like, you know, I don't even, a lot of these faces around here, have any of them been around when Tennessee was like really, really Tennessee when what it should be? And there weren't many of those faces of those faces left. There was a lot of change, a lot of turnover, um, but they eventually started getting it right. And I think it started happening in some ways before Danny White got there. It certainly has accelerated since he's gotten there. Um, but, you know, they they stubbed their toe for a long time in a lot of sports, but they're starting to kind of figure it out now. And I think no, no team in the SEC has been more successful across all sports this season than Tennessee has. It's going to be up there uh, for, the, for the national trophy. Um, some of those West Coast teams are really hard to beat for that, to be honest. Like Stanford and UCLA, it's like they have 107 sports and like 95 of them compete for titles every year. But Tennessee's going to be up there, certainly. And, and it's, you know, credit to them. They have remembered who they are and they're acting like it again. Yeah, if we take out, you know, men's beach volleyball. Um, yeah, that's the next one, it's, right? It's a uh, Tennessee's really the, no bias. Tennessee's number one in in terms of just overall 
and success in all the all the major sports. The only one I can think of that's close this academic year is TCU. They yeah. they made it to the national championship in football. They're really good in men's basketball and they're in Omaha in baseball. That's the only one that that I can think of. And um, you know, I, anybody who knows me he knows I'm super addicted to golf and love golf. We've got some assassins on the Tennessee golf team. I've heard that. I've heard and that. I know we're really good in track. I know we're we. I'm pretty sure we made a run in the NCAA tournament in volleyball and women's yes. soccer and tennis. And I'm just trying to, you know, touch all the bases here. I'm sure we left somebody a sport out, but it we really is track and field. It's Tennessee everything, man. And it's I don't think I really understand how difficult that is because even your your Georgia, Alabama in football, they're not premier cream of the crop elsewhere. And like Florida used to be, you know cream of the crop in football and basketball should and be good really, at everything should be good at everything they should be but they're not and it's like lsu you know maybe not basketball um but they're generally pretty good at everything it's just it's so hard to be good at everything because you have to you have to allocate resources somewhere but to your point wes tennessee is extremely fortunate in that people around here and the administration have always taken sports very seriously. And, you know, we, we have plenty of resources to use and we've used them wisely to make an athletic department that can win in all, in all sports. Yeah. And, and I think we, we also probably would, would be remiss if we didn't mention Dondi Plowman and all this too, because she is, you know, the chancellor of the university and she was, I'm pretty sure in charge in, uh, of the, you know, the committee ended up picking, you know, Danny White and doing that too. And she's been very supportive of the athletics programs and financially and going to games herself. Like, you know, it's like she's got enough things to do, but she seems like she's at every game and every sport pretty much all the time and, you know, taking pictures and being with people. And, you know, they kind of have a kind of a kind of have a good thing going now. It, it's now the next thing though, uh, and we got to mention this too, if we're going to be fair here championship time like you getting there in all the sports now getting close getting close getting close getting close you, now it's time to go get a couple of these like you know it, it's it, it, when you're going to be at the table and you're going to keep being at the table like you, you, you got to eat the table set you got to go in there and eat like and i don't know if it's it's this baseball team i don't know if it's you know football or basketball or if the lady vols can ever it seems like no matter how good you are and right now like there's like two programs right now in women's basketball they're just crushing everybody's spirits but 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 in something right like uh, in softball oklahoma's not going anywhere but like you know got, being there is awesome being there is it's a fantastic success story what tennessee is doing uh, and that is 90% of this story. The other 10% of this story is is now go get an Addy or two. Like, like go do that. That's the next step. And and so um, completely, in all seriousness, um, kudos to them for everything that they've done in all these sports. It, it is it is awesome. But, uh, you know, what, what do the best people in, in, do, right? Like, you know, to people like Nick Saban, like they're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. Um, and whatever it was, if it was a nine, go make it a 10 next time. If it's a 10, find a way to make it an 11, like go do it. Um, and that's the next step is, is to go, you know, bring back, um, bring back some, some, some bigger trophies. That's the next step for this Tennessee baseball program, because to Wes's point, if, and Will said it earlier, like 
that 2021 season, it was a really, really cool accomplishment to get to Omaha because that group, Will's group, helped rebuild the program. And it was a program that had, quite frankly, just been in the dumps for, for so long and just was neglected and ignored by the administration and, and, and the fan base. Um, and I don't really blame the fan base because the, the own university wasn't even they didn't care about it. So why should the fans if 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 the administrators aren't even going to care about it? But just from where it was to where it got so quickly under Coach V and the Will Heflins and the Connor Pavalonis and Jake Ruckers and Liam Spences, I could go on and on. Um it 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 made it really special. But this time around, like Tennessee's been here. This is the new expectation with the new resources that that they've been allocated and uh, the new expectations that that have um, come about because of that 2021 team getting to Omaha. And if they go 0 and 2, like there's going to be some uh, a portion of the fan base chirping, like 0 and 4 in Omaha, folks will be disappointed and rightfully so. I'm sure some will be overly emotional and, and take it a little too far. But uh, the, at at some point, you got to start winning games in Omaha as well if you if you really want to assert yourself as as one of the best programs in the country. So uh, we'll get into all that on Friday and, and get into the LSU-Tennessee matchup more in depth. Uh, wanted to get a reaction pod into Tennessee winning the Hattiesburg Super Regional and making it to Omaha. So, Will, Wes, appreciate your time and appreciate you staying up late to knock this out. No problem, man. Happy to do it. And, and just, just in all seriousness before I go – I am 90% kidding with, with you, state of Arkansas. I am, there's 10% of me that's completely damn serious. But 90% of me is just, is just having fun because, um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and like, a, uh, like the, the kid on the, the middle school or elementary school playground here and say, you started it. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, it's late. Go Vols. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's Will Heflin. That's Wes Rucker. I'm Ben McKee. We'll be back later in the week. And this has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more 
uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.